This is HPR episode 2329 entitled Building a Digital Clock Kit. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 28 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, I bought a self-built digital clock on eBay and document the building process. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello everybody. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Dave Morris. So today I'm doing a, I was going to say quick, but I, I'm not very good at judging quick when it comes to HBR shows. I'm going to do a show about a digital clock kit that I built recently. I thought it might be of interest. So last month, this is now May, I'm recording this, April 2017, my son and I both came up with the idea of building digital clocks. We both watch a YouTube channel called uh, BigClive.com, which I've linked in the notes here. And um, I mentioned him when I was reviewing some of the channels I I uh, follow. He's always messing around with electronic stuff. And he built a digital clock. I'll point you at the episode where he did this. Anyway, we both watched this this episode and we both must have come up with the idea of building a clock of our own. Is my son who found one and I've linked to it on eBay. It's the UK version of eBay, but I imagine it's available worldwide. Uh, it's a Chinese product from Shenzhen. Shenzhen, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. And it's currently costs $5.35 US I guess and that's about £4.18 in UK pounds and it's costs no postage that's the, the, the whole price coming from China takes a long time so you need to be patient which I wasn't very much but got here eventually now there are many digital clocks on eBay and there's loads of YouTube videos showing how to build them so you might want to, if you want to do this, you could do well to look around for other alternatives. I'm just going to tell you about mine. Doing something like this gets you a digital clock, fine, but it's also an interesting project for learning a bit of soldering. If you're not all that good at soldering, this is a bit more challenging than some of the d- d- beginner projects that you can buy in on Amazon or in ele- electronic shops. So I thought I'd give this one a try anyway. It seemed like fun. I would advise avoiding the ones that use surface mount components. The one I've got is it's got through hole PCB, so you 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 insert the components into the holes and solder them in there. 
but some produce so-called SMD, surface-mounted device components, where you lay them on the surface with solder paste underneath them and then use a hot air gun to, to, to do them. You can do it with a soldering iron, but it's really hard, I think. Anyway, I'm not up to that yet, though my son has been building stuff that way. But uh, as a beginner thing, it's quite a challenge. So the package came in the usual sort of... I think it was a plastic envelope thing with a bit of bubble wrap inside it. It was okay, but you can imagine that if anybody hit it really hard, it would smash. But it, it, it arrived intact. I've got some pictures here in the long notes that show you the the various bits and pieces. They're all thumbnails in the notes. You need to click on them to see the full picture. And the the, yeah, the pictures are not huge, but uh, hopefully they're they're clear enough. So the components I got were a PCB a four-digit display, a Perspex box to put it all in. There were two two chips, um, which I imagine are programmed uh, integrated chips, PIC chips or something like that, sockets to put them in, which makes it a lot easier, harder to destroy them that way. And the usual sort of uh, resistors and capacitors and stuff. A USB power lead, and although it says on the eBay site there's... There is no battery. There is one in the kit. It's a CR1220 lithium cell. So I've got a picture of all the bits after I'd unwrapped them. I also took a couple of pictures of the PCB because I thought it looked quite nicely done. It's it's clearly printed. It's got uh, screen printing on it so you can see where all the components go. It looks quite well made. So to build it, there were some hints about how to sequence the components in the instructions. And I'll get into the instructions a bit more detail later. But uh, I just started with the resistors being the easiest things to, to install anyway. So my first picture is of the first set of resistors going into the board. I got a PCB holder for Christmas, so I included that in the picture just to show it off. The board's so small, the PCB, that it doesn't really fit into this holder all that well, especially as you start to put components on it. And I've got pictures of it much more populated, the PCB, and you can see it's hard, it's hard to get it. It's hard to find anywhere to put the, the grippers of the, the holder onto it. But I've I've just populated most of it. There's not a lot of components. Um, I didn't do a step-by-step -step breakdown of it. I've shown the front and the back. The case is an interesting thing. It, it just, it's got lugs that fit together and it's got uh, bolts, nuts and bolts that fit through it to hold it together. Reasonable design. But to get all of the, the bits correctly aligned I found was a bit of a challenge. This is not completely obvious which way around some of them go. Some of them are obvious but some not. So I dry assembled it b before building it up and I marked the bits so I, it was easier to put together when the time came. So having got all the components on the board I then needed to make sure that the all of the components were trimmed 
very close to the back of the PCB because that's where the display goes. The display pins had got bent in transit because they're just stuck into a bit of foam and uh, so again them all aligned and it through the holes took a little bit of time. But once it once it was in and I've got various pictures of it um, fitting into the populated board because all the pins pop up beside the components you've you fitted in. You have to do it in this order obviously. And um, getting it then soldered, and I've got a picture of it being soldered, is, is an interesting challenge. You need to be very delicate with your use of the soldering iron. You need a really fine one too. I've got a temperature controlled one that I bought a year or so back. The clearance between the back, the PCB and the display chip was, was had to be really as small as possible in order for the whole thing to fit together. That got me to the point where I could then fit the whole thing into the case, which I did, uh, taking the protective paper off the, the components. But even then, I found that getting it all aligned properly was very difficult. And I'll take some pictures of, these were partly to discuss it with my son, actually, of how the speaker doesn't quite fit into the hole where it's meant to go. It, it fits through it, but getting all the bits lined up so that it's it's properly aligned was a challenge i managed to to eventually move things around and juggle them slightly in order to get it lined up again but uh, it, it was a little bit of a challenge two of the bits on the pcb are a light dependent resistor and a thermistor a temperature sensor and they are supposed to poke through the top of the case now you'll see some pictures of this thing built elsewhere where they stick out a long, long way and I wanted to make sure that they were fairly short, that they didn't protrude too far for fear of damage. So getting that all done and aligned properly was an interesting challenge. But um, it, all came, it did all come together, as you can see from the, the pictures. And having gone through these various difficulties, uh, it all got assembled and power was applied and yes it worked surprisingly <laughs> I was most delighted I tried to take a picture of it but because it's a flickering device I guess cameras don't like it very much and it's also quite bright so to mention the instructions then they're bad they're really bad I haven't copied them completely but I've taken a picture of one bit of it mine was a single sheet I think that's all you ever get but it was really badly photocopied and it was incredibly hard to actually read because of the quality of the copy. There's a diagram of the PCB which is quite helpful for knowing where to put all the bits but there, it is written on the on the PCB itself which component to go where. There's a table of components with code names and numbers like R1 and R2 on them so these let you know that R1 is a resistor of such and such a type and it's to go in this position. That's okay, that's fine. That, that, that didn't cause me any great problems. The written instructions are very weird though. It's a translation of some sort. They use welding instead of soldering and many sentences are close to meaningless and I've given you a couple of samples. It says, 
5.3. The pins with diagonal cutting pliers cut short. Parentheses. This step is important. Close parentheses. As far as possible, avoid to resist digital tube effect beautiful. Point four. Welding digital tube. Digital tube must pay attention to the final or placed on the back of the device can't welding. It's like a random word assortment. But I think what it's saying is you need to make sure all the component wires are trimmed as short as possible um, so they don't touch the back of the display when you put it onto the back of the PCB and also that it gives enough clearance that it fits properly. I think that's what it's saying. Though it's really hard to know <laughs> where where those that conjunction of English came from. So that's that's the instructions. The other thing is having built it you need to and powered it up you need to set set up the clock properly. Now that was an interesting challenge and I've given a, a detailed list of the clock setting which just in case you happen to buy one of these will help and it might help in other cases as well because I suspect they all use pretty much the same software underneath possibly even the same chips I just looked around to see what the time is and it's now 15.53 on a Monday afternoon and I've got my clock set to beep on the hour and I hope it hope I managed to finish this before I forget <laughs> we shall see let me just whiz through the, the details I've, I've spelt it out quite a lot of detail in the notes just in case it comes in useful for you but essentially there's there are two buttons on the clock there's a there's one that's marked as set in the diagram and one marked as add the set one's at the top and the add one's at the bottom you have to press first press gets you to setting the time the hour part of the time and you use the add button to increment the the hours. Press set again and then you get to change the minutes using the add button. Then you press set again and you're out of the time setting and into the alarm setting. Then you press add to change the hours of the alarm. Set again and then you change the minutes of the alarm. Then the third part of the alarm is you can enable or disable. It took me a while to work that one out, I can tell you. You just press add to enable or disable and it's shown by a, a, an LED on the bottom right corner of the display. So when the light's off, the alarm's off. The next setting was a total mystery. I had to actually set it to work out what it was because the instructions just make no sense at all. This is a mode where the clock beeps on the hour, so I just mentioned so you set the start time of when it does the beeping, so it'll be off during the night, right? And you hit set to get to that, and then add changes by incrementing the left side of the display, which is the start hour. Then you hit set again, and this then changes the right side of the display, which is the ending hour. So mine says 0820, so it starts at 8 in the morning and ends at 2000, which is 8 p.m., then the next set, press use add to enable or disable this mode. So it's on at the moment. You can tell if it's on or not by the, the light as before. Then you press set one more time, the clock's back to normal. So there are nine presses of the set key to get from 
the start to the end of the, the setting cycle and back to normal again, which again is quite useful because it's really easy to lose yourself in this thing. It sounds simple actually, now, now I've said it and now I've worked out what it is, but trying to work it out from the instructions is a nightmare. Big Clive had a similar problem. I think his, his one worked out as being pretty similar actually, now I come to think of it. So what do I think of the clock? Well, it's fine, it's a clock, it's not bad for the price. On the other hand, you do get what you pay for, so it's, a, it's very basic. The timekeeping is okay, though I have noticed there's a bit of drift. I might not have set it that accurately, I must say, but in the few weeks I've had it, it's drifted a little bit. The fact it's got a battery backup is great, because you can disconnect it from the power and it doesn't lose the time. The battery, the CR1, to 20 is not as easy to find as some but uh, but it's it's I can see it on Amazon so it costs something like two pounds each which I always found odd but there you go the clock also shows the temperature and it switches to the temperature every 30 seconds and returns to the time display the temperature sensor is not very accurate it uh, reports a temperature which I'm sure is wrong I have my clock on top of my powered USB on my desktop and it's under one of my monitors so it may be warmer there than elsewhere in the house but it's reading 29 degrees centigrade right now and it's a, a cold day actually for a May day and um, the other thermometers in the house are reading around 24, 23 degrees centigrade. You can't calibrate this at all so you it's not it's not really a reliable temperature sensor there's the light sensor on the the box the LDR turns the brightness down when the ambient light level is low so at night if you keep it on which I do then it dims quite a lot which is fine which is good so on the whole I'm pretty happy that I bought it I think it's it's useful and it was fun to build and it looks looks fine. You'll find a better home for it at some point, but it's, it seems absolutely fine to me. So there you go. And we haven't heard it beeping, which is to the it's quite loud. It's quite a loud beep, so probably best that you don't. <laughs> but uh, that's the end of that then. So hope you found that interesting, and I hope you like the pictures if you can uh, get to look at them. Okay then, bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.